Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. Mike Spaulding, before you leave, do you mm-hmm. think Scafidi was messing with us or were being sincere? I, he seemed pretty sincere. He seemed pretty sincere. But if you were going to mess with us, that was the great way to do it. I, I walk into the studio. First thing I do before I sit down is he says, just so you know, I saw a mouse. <laughs> there, there's a mouse in here. You know, there's a mouse in here? He said, yeah, I saw there, there's, there was a mouse run, running around. And I said, oh, okay. And then you come in and he says, there's a mouse. And you and I, you immediately, you do like one of these like double takes. You're like looking around <laughs> for the thing. So lift the feet up. Yeah. If you, well, that's exactly it. If you want, if you wanted to pimp us both, that, that's the great way to do it. I mean, there, there, there's something running around the studio. It would be, it would be great, but I don't think he was doing, it. I think he was sincere. I, I, I do too. And now I'm wondering like, has it been here? Where did it come from? Right. And if it's Right. Are there more? Yeah, that's <laughs> another know, great question. Right. Are, are there more of them? Are there more of them around and stuff? I remember when we built this studio. I mean, I've been here long. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember this was like brand spanking new, and we we built it and stuff. And um, huh? Okay. Well, that, that, <laughs> I, I was sitting here wondering because now I, I'm at the same thing. I'm, he said, "Yeah, it came kind of right up here. It was running down by my feet and all." And I'm like, "Okay, well, this will make for an interesting uh, next several hours." You know, just keep your feet elevated. <laughs> I guess the entire it's only three hours, Jeff. Okay. So, okay. So you're right now. So, so you you agree with me? But again, if if he was if he was going to be like just kind of messing with us, it would be a great way to do it. You know. So if you don't see it. Between now and three, are you going to warn John? That oh, you, you, you betcha. I'm going to, I'm going to say. All right. All I know is Cafiti said he saw a mouse in here, and we, we don't know where it's, it's gone exactly. But all right, okay. I, I think he was being sincere as well. So, and what the heck? It's just a mouse. <laughs> it's just a mouse. Yeah, better than a rat, I guess. <laughs> yes, I, I guess it's yeah. Yes, no. There's there, there's no doubt about it. It's it's to me a mouse is better. You could say, hey, there's a snake around here. Or something that would freak me out too. But yeah, but it's um, it's okay. Well, that's the beauty of live radio. If all of a sudden around one thirty, I go, oh, there it is. We'll we'll see. So, all right. Uh, yeah, I, I think he was being sincere as well. Let us get started. I want to revisit a, a general topic I discussed a, a couple of weeks ago, and I, I've come to believe that my position um, should have been more nuanced than it was. Here is the reality. When it comes to police community relations, there is a thing known as driving while black. And, and the idea is that you have police officers who disproportionately pull over people of color on minor traffic offenses with the idea that they're going to use that that stop to then kind of escalate things let let's see is the person does the person have a gun does the person is the person drunk is the person is, is there pot etc cetera, etc cetera. and and that that is the, the the term they use in the law is pretextual stops now, in response to this, a number of communities have taken the position that we don't want the police pulling over anybody for minor offenses. In other words, if the cops are driving and you see somebody that's driving with a taillight out, instead of stopping them, 
for not having the tail for having the tail light out. You, you just let them go because the argument is they disproportionately pull over a certain type of person or a person of color or something for minor offenses, and they'd let it go if it was not somebody of of color. All right, so that that's kind of the argument, and that's where it's out there. There's a big story in the Washington Post, and here, here's what happened about a month or two ago. There's a woman who drives. She's um works for the Defense Department in, in Washington D.C. Top secret clearance. So one night she's coming home from work. She's on the Beltway, which is the, the expressway around Washington D.C. And it, it's dark, but the Beltway is is lit up. There, there's all sorts of lights out there. She's driving without her headlights on, which means she's driving without her tail lights on. Now there's. You can see sometimes, maybe this has happened to you in the past, you know, you, you get onto this lighted area and you've just forgotten to turn your lights on. And, and you don't notice it because the, the area is well lit and you don't realize, hey, I just drove home without my lights on or something like that. So anyhow, she's driving on the Beltway. She, she's got her, she does not have her headlights on, which means her, her taillights on, aren't on either. State, Virginia State Trooper sees her, pulls her over. At that point in time, so he pulls her over for not having her headlights on. At that point in time, that the whole thing kind of spirals out of control. The officer gets her, or, you know, refuses to say, the officer pulls her over, refuses to tell her, and this is all on like a body camera, refuses to tell her why he's pulled her over, makes her get out of the car, gets out of the car, asks if she's been drinking. She says, I haven't been drinking. He says, well, I notice your eyes are watering a little bit. Next thing you know, she's being handcuffed and, and taken, uh, you know, hauled into custody. Her car is being towed and impounded. Um, they, they arrest her for resisting arrest. They arrest her for suspicion of drunk driving. As it turns out, she's got no alcohol in her system at all it it this everything about this screams of pretextual stop and I, I think it's fair if you if you review this whole thing I think it's very fair to wonder gee if this had been a, a, a middle-aged white guy would the officer proceed in the same way and ultimately what ends up happening is the authorities the prosecutors in Virginia just drop this case they, they say look we're we're not pursuing this at all we're not pursuing resisting arrest we're, we're not pursuing the driving with the tail light out it's very clear that they believe that this woman was was mistreated because she was black all right this has led, in part, to an order that's going out in, in the D.C. area, which tells officers, don't pull people over. Don't stop people for what we would call minor traffic offenses like equipment violations. So, I mean, it's one thing if you see somebody driving and they're weaving all over and stuff, that's fine. But and you think it's they're drunk or it's reckless driving. But if you just see somebody driving Without their, with a broken taillight. You just see somebody who doesn't put on their turn signal. Minor sort of stuff. The instructions are, let it go. And the reason they say, let it go, is because they are concerned that there's going to be this um, emphasis and, and then they're going to be accused of stopping somebody for the minor traffic offense solely as a pretext and that they're going to do this disproportionately involving people of color. Our number is 855-616-1620. That's the Academic Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Like I say, when, when I discussed this from a slightly different perspective a couple of weeks ago, I've come to believe that my position was not quite as nuanced as it, as it should have been. Here's the bottom line. I think I, I'm a big proponent of the broken windows theory. By that, I mean small stuff matters. And, and I think the police do the public a disservice 
by turning a blind eye when when you have minor violations of the law. I think it's a disaster, for example, that New York City has now announced that they're not going to prosecute people for prostitution. I mean, can, can you imagine what that's going to do to the, the community and to the city and things of the like? So I, I think I, I think small stuff does matter. And I think, I guess, if I'm a police officer or I'm a citizen and, and you see somebody driving without their headlights on, Right, that that poses a risk. If I see somebody driving and their, you know, their their brake lights are out, you know that there is a, a violation there. I want the cops to stop them. Now the problem is, and, and I understand that that's the this is where the nuance comes in. I, I I want people stopped if you see these violations. Now in this particular case, it's very clear to me that the police officer copped an attitude from the, the beginning and tried to turn what was a legitimate stop for some woman who's driving without her headlights into something a lot more, and it ended up blowing up. That's a bad police officer, or at least it's a situation that was handled in a bad way. But as far as should in reaction to the fact that you have police officers do that from time to time, do we not want people stopping folks when their headlights are out or their turn signal isn't working or the taillights broken or whatever? And my answer is, no, I, I, I want people stopped for that because they, they do pose safety risks. I mean, if, if you're driving and it's after dark and you don't have your headlights on, yeah, I want the cops to pull you over because, you know, next thing you know, you could be involved in an accident and I could maybe not see you when I'm getting ready to shift lanes. All right. Our number 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, how the police handle the matter after they've made the stop is a different story. But do we not want people stopped for what I am calling minor traffic violations, like equipment violations and the like, my answer is no, I I want you to make the stop. I also then want you to handle it in a professional fashion. What do you think? 855-616-1620. We discuss. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. See, I guess the more I think about this, I, I think there's two different issues. If you're out on the roadways and you're, you're, you're driving around, you, you've got your headlights turned off, um, or your, your brake lights are out or whatever, th- those are safety hazards. I want the police to be stopping people for that. Now, I, I think that there, there then raises a second issue of, you know, what, what happens once you stop them and, um, do you escalate it? Like in the story I was talking about, where it's very clear the officer escalated this. He saw a black woman that was driving. Next thing you know, she's out of the car. She's handcuffed. They, they charge her or they accuse her of driving drunk. She's got a blood alcohol of 0.0, hadn't been drinking at all. And, and you put all that together and you say, okay, th- this officer mishandled that situation, at least in my opinion. But, but does that justify saying we're not going to have cops make stops for these sort of violations? And, and my answer would be, no, I, I want I want I want the stops made, and then of course I I want people handled treated in a professional fashion um, once they do get stopped. Let's start with Sandy in Oshkosh. Hi, Sandy. You're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. So uh, recently, my son he was driving my car. I live in Oshkosh. He was driving on 41, driving to Appleton, and all of a sudden, a cop stops him behind him, and he stops. And the cop comes to him. He's like, I'm not speeding or anything. Go, why did you stop me? And cop is like, because your sticker for a year, you know, on the license, on the registration plate on the back of the car is not showing up. 
Okay. Because we have a custom plate on it. Okay. And my son is on probation, by the way, you know, for something totally different. Okay. And uh, he was driving my car, and here, while he's waiting in his car, as he took his license away and everything, he calls me and he says, Dad, a cop stopped me. And I was freaking out because we are not white. We are, mm-hmm. we are people of color. Okay. And here a cop is stopping him. And I, with all this, what is going on recently, and now he's stopping him just because his year is not showing up. I think that's a ridiculous reason to stop someone. Hey, he could run the plate, you know, if he's really worried about it. And the plate is still valid. Mm-hmm. Just because the sticker is not showing up does not mean you need to stop this person. Right. And then when he found out everything was fine and good, he comes to him and makes a just a small joke about, like, because I have a personalized, personalized license plate on my car. Then he makes a joke about it. And then he says, still gave him a written warning, though, and right. say, you need to, you know, correct his ASAP. But I, I think that was a total stupid reason to stop him. And he, they should have something better to do, like stop speeding drivers or somebody. Now, do, do you think your, your son was stopped because he was a person of color or just because you just think that it was a, just a dumb reason to stop in the first place? Uh, I think both. Okay. Uh, you can tell from a distance he's a person of color. And, you, of course, he saw his plate and his sticker wasn't showing up. Right. It was, uh, and I think it's a dumb reason still. Right. If you're really worried about it, you can read my plate from a distance. It's personalized license plate. I don't want to reveal it over right, here. Right. On and, and, the yeah, and, then, and then you run it, and then you see if and you run it, and then you see whether it's there or not. Okay, thanks to call. I appreciate. It. Well, that that that's. I mean that that that's a Sandy raises a a good issue there. I mean, is that if if you're driving around and, and just to paraphrase what I think he's going on, he he's got the the renewal sticker, the one that says like 22 or 21 or whatever it would say on there. It's not visible because of his personalized license plate, so the police officer pulls him over. All right, l- let's assume for the sake of argument for our discussion that that's that that he didn't have that that sticker on, a- and you know that in and of itself is that the type of thing that we want people that we want police officers pulling people over for and then of course where where do you end up drawing the line now my argument would be if you're pulling somebody over for that it's got to be a a really really slow law enforcement day wherever you are i I think you can make a stronger argument for somebody driving without their headlights on or somebody whose you know brake lights are out 855-616-1620 tim in medford tim you're on wtmj good afternoon Hi, Jeff. I I agree with your whole premise that I do want the cops uh, enforcing these minor traffic violations just for the sake of safety for other drivers out there. My problem with it is this, is when we hear this whole concept of driving while black as being a reason for the cops to pull people over, Mm -hmm. I I don't believe the police really have opportunities when they're seeing violations to to check out the drivers. I don't think if someone's driving with a taillight out and so forth that they're going to pull up alongside or, pull o- or try to get in front to see their ethnicity first before they make the stop, especially if uh, the violation is occurring on the, on the interstate or, uh, or any, hi- any highway. The, the whole concept that they're black while they're driving, I can't – when the well, cop sees the violation, they just see the violation. Well, but I guess, Tim, the, the, the follow-up to that would be, okay, do they – 
if 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 you come upon a person of color, we, if let let's say you you pull the car over, and for for what our previous caller was talking about, okay, the the plate is invisible, the tag is invisible, and it's a a twenty four year old African American kid versus me. You know, do do you treat that that middle aged you know white driver differently than you treat the twenty four year old kid? I think that's 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 maybe where more of an issue comes in, maybe. Maybe at the same time, all I, but if you're talking, if you're looking at it just as a difference of age and not as a difference of ethnicity, I'm with you in terms of I would like the cops to be able to treat everyone equally, right. and I can see a difference of attitude with age versus you know somebody right. who's 24 years old behind a you know a hot rod versus a. Right. <laughs> middle-aged guys like us behind right. a sedan. Right, yeah, exactly. I mean, thanks for going right in, in, the, in the SUV. No, I mean, I raised this, and, but I, I guess, see, this is, and this is where I go back to the notion of professionalism and policing, and and it's it's a problem that you have with that, that small handful of police officers who, you know, don't, don't treat people properly and and that's where the issue is and so you get these blanket rules no don't pull people over for driving without lights on well that's crazy i if 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 there's a car driving down the freeway that doesn't have its lights on i i I want that car stopped and maybe it's as simple as oh i you know i left a lighted parking lot i'm in this highly lighted thing i didn't know i didn't have my lights on i understand that 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 happens it's happened to me once or twice not not often but it happens you know i can see how that could happen but it's also possible that you've got the person that's driving um without their light on because they're drunk they're, they, they pose a, a safety hazard or the lights aren't working in the car or whatever so i mean i, I want the people to be stopped I, I do though so i don't want these blanket policies that say we're, we're not going to do this because that's where i think the, the problem comes in let's talk to john on the north side hi john you're on wtmj hi thanks for taking my call sure. okay uh you know i drive uber and lyft and man I see everything that goes on out here, and if you don't have a if you don't have a plate on the back of your car, you're illegal. You need to be stopped. And if you don't have insurance, that car needs to be towed. You can't let you drive drive off with no, you know, no insurance. Yeah. yeah come on, that's, that ain't fair to the, the ones that's paying the insurance. Right. Right. You don't have no tag on the back of that car, then um, you need to be stopped and pulled over and and asked why. Right. Right. And, and, and as long as and see, I guess that's my point. Pull people over and then treat people professionally. I mean, don't treat people different because it's a male as opposed to a female. Don't treat people differently because of their race. Don't keep. Oh, people, no, right, no. Right. Right. But but yeah, pull them over. Now, thanks to call, John. I, I, I agree. OK, we've got a lot of interesting calls in this. We're going to continue it for one more segment. If you're on the line, please hold on. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back with the news and then more calls. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Before we go back to the phone lines, let's do a couple texts. Jeff, I was stopped all the time. I'm white, over the age of 55. I worked second shift, didn't drive the expressway. I took Moreland Road, sometimes worked till 2 in the morning. First, I think they said, we think you're drinking. Same police officer every week. Made me get out of the car a couple times. Glad I retired. I told him I wouldn't see him again. I'm retiring. He told me, don't talk back. Um, Jeff, my wife was pulled over on I-94 during evening rush hour while she was eight months pregnant because her front license plate was not on her car. She did have her rear license plate and her registration was up to date. I think it was absolutely unsafe and unreasonable to pull my wife over because of that situation. I see dozens of cars every day without a front license plate. Does that same cop actually pull over every single car he sees without a front plate? Well, that, that that's sort of the issue. And this is why I, I think 
departments need to be consistent with with what they're going to do and there needs to be consistent policies and part of the time that officers and departments get in trouble is when they decide to selectively enforce certain rules and i understand that you don't pull over everybody you know if somebody's speeding and going 20 miles an hour over the limit they're more likely to get pulled over than if they're going two miles an hour over the speed limit but this is one of the things that get departments in trouble where you selectively do this okay we're going to pull this car over for the no front license plate but the other 15 that we've just let go by we're not going to pull it over all right let's talk to terry on the south side terry thanks for waiting hey how you doing Hi, uh, terry. can you hear me good I, got I, I can nope go ahead we can hear you Okay. All right. Yeah, so I think the issue a lot of people are missing is, uh, so, of course, I know one of the callers said they don't know who they're pulling over, but um, once they get to the car, yeah. it's, the, it's the not saying, hey, this is why I stopped you right away. It's the automatic jumping to just give me your information. I'll tell you later. And then the fishing expedition. Right. Now, I called in a couple of weeks ago about the, I think, the Dante Wright situation because I said I had an experience where I got pulled over with both my sons and my fiance, who's a state correctional officer for full disclosure. And uh, we, I got stopped in my Range Rover. They said my exhaust was too loud. Now, I actually joked with the cop. I said, hey, you must pull over a lot of Harleys. So, <laughs> you know, then he, get, yeah, so he, gets my, he gets my information, and he says, hey, do you have any drugs in the car? And I said, uh, no, I don't. And he said, well, do you mind if I search it? I said, yeah, I actually do mind. And he said, well, I'm going to search it with the dog. So he brings out the dog, the dog searching my car. I have both my sons with me. At the time, my son was 10. My other one was, I want to say, 7. And they're like, well, you know, hey, Dad, what's going on here? And, you know, and right. then at one point, they asked my fiance for her information. And as she goes to pull out her ID, they see her correctional officer badge in there. And they go, oh. And I say, you know, you, you would be crazy to think I'm driving around in a flashy Range Rover <laughs> transporting drugs with both my kids in the car. But it's, it's the fishing expedition, and you don't get an apology when they don't find anything. Right. You know, and I think a lot of things, I, I want to say one more thing. Well, Terry, let me stop you before we're, I want but, but, Well, I'll let you make that point, but you, I, are, you, you're, are you black? Are you a person of color? You're black? Y- yes, sir. Okay, yes, so so your point is that um, if, if the same police officer saw me and my wife driving, pulled us over because they thought my I was, my car was making too no, much noise, you don't think they'd ask necessarily if, if they had, could have permission to search the car and bring a dog out and things like that. that. That's your point, that you think that you were treated differently perhaps than, that, or not perhaps, you were treated differently than maybe I would be treated under the same circumstance. Right. Now, yeah. now I was going to say, uh, you know, my fiance, she, she's actually uh, a white, a white woman, and she is not from Milwaukee, and she never experienced anything like this of a dog searching the car. And I wanted to say, I don't know if a lot of people realize this, but one third, about one third of black men in America are convicted felons. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of those, I know you have experience in law enforcement, so you may have known, you may know that statistic a little bit. But uh, I think that kind of leads into them doing the fishing expeditions mm-hmm. with black men because there's a higher chance that they might find something Yeah. because of those statistics. Yeah. And I think there's, like, a lot of other things that people aren't taking into account in the situation. Yeah. And uh, I just think the fishing expeditions got to stop. You know, if you would have got stopped, they would just, you know, license and registration, right. insurance, okay, sir, you know, get the exhaust fixed, you know, right. write you a ticket and have you on your way, but pulling you out the car, having a dog search the car. Right. I mean, it's, especially when you have your family with you, it's disrespectful. 
No, I you know, and I feel very violated. So no, I thank Terry. I I understand, and that's why that that's why when I started, and thank you for the call. And I appreciate the story. That's why I I, I started off this by saying I. I when we talked about it a few weeks ago, I, I, I need a more nuanced response to this. I don't think the response is to say, okay, we're going we're gonna to set an order that we're not going to let the police pull people over for, for what we're going to call, quote-unquote, minor violations. Now, I, I do um, – our, our first caller, Sandy, who was saying my kid got pulled over because the, the, the registration was current, the license was current, but you, you couldn't see the little sticker. I, I do kind of wonder about stuff like, like that. But at least, I mean, if we're talking about driving without your headlights on or the broken taillights, I, I don't want the cops told that they can't make that stop. But I do think that the key then comes in. It's that second part about, you know, how how do you handle this? And I do think that, again, in the law, the phrase is a pretextual stop. Okay, there's this car driving with, with the, the headlights off or with the taillight out, and, and let's let's use that as a basis to pull them over and then let's try to search the car to see if there's guns or drugs or whatever and that's where i think the police end up getting into trouble because all right do do you treat the middle-aged white guy and his wife differently than you treat the you know 20 something year old um you know african-american male that's where the cops get into trouble a blanket rule saying you know don't make traffic stops i'm not in favor of that but it is the element of professionalism that's where that's where i think in some respects you know, everybody needs to learn and do better. Let's talk to Lamar in Orlando. Lamar, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, you hit it on the nose. You hit it on the nose. You talk about professionalism, and I'm gonna try to make this point really quick. Um, I've lived. Obviously, I lived in Milwaukee for you know majority of my life, and I lived. But I also lived in Florida for a huge chunk of my life, and I had driving experiences in my 20s in Milwaukee as well as here in Orlando, and I've had driving experiences. You know, getting pulled over in Milwaukee. You know, I'm, I'm 43 now. You know in my late thirties and, you know, my forties, both here and there. So I can compare and contrast. Um, the professionalism is the, is the difference when I get, cause I have this bad habit of not turning my lights on, you know, prior to getting cars that had that technology right. bad habit. And I'll admit, I will admit I have a bad habit with that sticker um, because they usually get stolen all the time and walk. I didn't like to put them on cause they get stolen and cut mm-hmm. my plates. So, and I still have that same bad habit in, or in, in Orlando, <laughs> but the professionalism and the, the previous caller hit it on the nail. Um, in or in, in Milwaukee, I've been irritated by getting pulled over for something that I thought was a waste of time, and I, you know, you, you get irritated, and so you're kind of irritated. With the police officer in Milwaukee, I've been snatched out of the car, and they start, you know, wanted to search the car for minor stuff like the sticker or my headlights. In Orlando, same situ- same scenario, same attitude, and the guy the, threw me way off. The, the police officer cracked the joke. He said, "Hey, whoa, hey." He said, "I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't spike your coffee. Said, I'm just, I'm just trying to check this out. That's it." Right. He didn't pull me out of the car. He made a joke. He escalated the situation, and he was a, a cosmic professional. And if you, you know, you know, those that are listening, if you want to compare departments, there are not a lot of complaints against Orlando, not a lot of lawsuits, major lawsuits versus Milwaukee. Professionalism goes and consistency goes a long way, and it helps to improve the, you know, the mm-hmm. image of the department and the relationship between the community. Well, you know, it, right in the head when you talk about professionals. Well, you know, the, like the story I was talking about in the Washington Post. Okay, so the woman who she's a black woman, she she works at the Defense Department, mm-hmm. so she's driving and she's done exactly. She she doesn't have her headlights on, and she's and, and so she gets pulled over. So it's a legitimate thing, but instead of the officer coming and this is all on the the body cameras, instead of just coming up and saying, you know, ma'am, your your headlights are are off. First thing it is get out of the car. You know, I'm not I'm not gonna not license registration, nothing like that. Get out of the yep. car. I'm not gonna tell you why I pulled you over. And then it, it quickly goes yep. south from there, whereas it's just 
okay, you pull her over, you run the plates, you find that the car, the car is it's not stolen, you find that it's properly registered, and then you say, hey, you know your headlights are out, and if you feel you got to give a ticket, you give a ticket, but you don't necessarily escalate this thing, and and that's those are the things that then you have these policies that say we're not going to pull people over for driving without their headlights, which I think is an awful policy. I I agree that is that is stupid, and that's that's when I'm like government, you're doing too much. Instead of just saying let's just be professional and be consistent, we get this blanket. Let's not do it. That's just goofy. Right. No. Thanks. I'll admit for, that's just goofy. To no. Me. That, 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 right. Right. Exactly. Because you want you 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 want that. So it's it's one of these situations where like I think like everybody is is wrong. You know, it's it's wrong to have a policy not to pull people over. We want that. That's the whole broken windows sort of thing. It, that's a matter of of public safety. And you know, it's entirely possible that. One of the reasons why somebody is driving without their headlights on is because they are liquored up. I, I understand that. So, I mean, I, I want those people pulled over. But, you know, I, at the same time, you don't want to then go from zero to 60 as far as far as the confrontation goes if you don't have to. And, and to the point um, that Lamar makes, I just one of the godsends, at least as far as I'm concerned, is in, in modern technology on these cars is that you can just put it on. Do you have that on your car, Gru, the auto, where you can just, do you have to, see, like, I don't have to turn on my light. I, I, can, I can turn on the headlights and off, but there's also a setting that's just auto, so they automatically come on and turn off. Do you have that? No, I'm not that lucky. Yeah, no, it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful feature. I just, and actually, I would tell you, sometimes what, what happens is, so I always have it on auto, so I never even think about it. So when you stop the car, the lights are on for like 15 or 20 seconds, and then they shut off. Sometimes what happens is when I take the car in to be serviced or whatever, they'll, they'll turn it off. You know, and I won't realize that. And next thing I know, I'm driving and I'm thinking, oh, it's kind of awful dark out here. And I'll go, oh, that's because the, the light, I didn't turn the lights on because I never turn the lights on. What can you do? Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. The NFL schedule release happens tomorrow. While you're listening to the Brewers-Cardinals game on WTMJ, check out Greg Matzik and Brave Neitzel on Facebook Live to find out who the Packers will face and win for the 2021 season. Catch the full schedule release on the 620 WTMJ Facebook page, your home for Packers football. All right. It's, um, at the very least, Joe Biden, it's bad optics. At the worst... It's um, just flat out dumb and discriminatory. So here's the deal. Memorial Day, there has for years and years, although it was not held last year because of the pandemic, there's a, a big event, a motorcycle event. It's called Rolling to Remember, and it, it's put on by by veterans groups. And, and they do it in Washington, D.C., but they also do it in other places in the country. Um, the purpose of this is to raise awareness for 82,000 service members who are still missing in action and to call attention to, you know, the, the very real problem of suicide by military veterans. So they, they have this this huge rally every year. And one of the sites of the rally is in the Pentagon parking lot in, in Washington, D.C. And if you've ever been to the Pentagon, trust me, the, the Pentagon parking lot is just huge. It's 70 acres. And, and this rally has been going on over Memorial Day for the past 20 years. Again, with the exception of last year, it was called off because of the pandemic. But it's like 70 acres. I mean, think of the Disneyland parking lot. So, I mean, it's not like you, you have people crammed into a small space. Well, well here's 
is the deal. This organization, you know, they, they apply for permits to, to, you know, to do the mart, to do the ride and to, you know, stage the rally and stuff. They got permits from everybody that they needed to get permits for, including the Pentagon, because that's kind of like the staging area in the Pentagon parking lot. They were issued the permit. And apparently what happened is the permit was pulled. It was rescinded by the Pentagon because in April, because apparently they decided, well, you know, we, we've got we've got COVID-19 going on here and we're, we don't want people gathering together. Now, of course, the, the issue is it's first of all, it's outside. It, it's in a parking lot. We all know that the chances of COVID being transmitted in an outdoor area is not necessarily great and now that you've got the vaccinations going on and oh by the way you know there's been in the washington dc area a a number of other groups have had no problem at all getting permits to stage various marches and rallies even at the height of covid why because the chances of a spread even before we had vaccinations the chances of this spreading in an outdoor sort of setting are are very very rare which is why you didn't see any of the for example, the Black Lives Matters protests being, you know, leading to huge outbreaks of COVID and things like that. It just it does not happen. And so, you know, you have all these other rallies that have been allowed to take place, all these other marches, etc. But now you've got the Pentagon pulling the permits for this veterans rally. And needless to say, it's not going over well. Um, and a lot of, you know, military veterans are extremely upset about this. Number of Republican members of Congress are, are sending letters and trying to pressure Joe Biden to say to the Pentagon, hey, hey, knock this off. You've got to override this decision. Let them stage their rally. Um, here's what one of the congressmen says. This is uh, Brian Masters from Florida. I would have hoped that President Biden would have more respect for a Memorial Day tradition, which raises awareness to the 82,000 service members who are still missing. That that's why today I, along with 33 of, of, of other of my House colleagues, are or, urging President Biden to reverse his administration's decision and grant rolling to remember the permit request to use the Pentagon's parking lot. I guess there's a couple things about this. First of all, it is unfortunate to me that this gets politicized. It, it, 33 Republicans sign on to the letter, no Democrats. And I mean, at, at some point in time, don't you think that there might be some Democrats out there who say, you know, under these circumstances, it's outdoors. We appreciate that you got COVID, but given where we are in the pandemic, given the fact that you've got vaccines, and also given the fact that we know that the risk of transmission in an outdoor event is very, very minimal, even without going through the vaccination thing, that it really makes no sense to say to thousands of veterans that you can't stage the, the rally. So it's unfortunate to me that this, again, breaks down on, on party lines. It also I think demonstrates some of the absolute hysteria that we continue to see operate in this country with regard to public health and with regard to, to COVID. The, the idea that, oh my gosh, you're going to have people that are going to come together in a parking lot for a rally. It's okay if you want to stage a social justice protest or something like that, but heaven forbid that these guys show up at the Pentagon parking lot 
about we cannot allow that to happen. Well, all right, maybe you need to follow the science a little bit and recognize that the risks of that becoming a super spreader point event at this point in time in the pandemic are very, very minor. Bottom line is, let the veterans have their rally. Give them the permit. I mean, they're going to get together somewhere, whether it's at the Pentagon or not. But the fact that the Biden administration is trying to kill this, bad optics at the be- at best, it is bad optics. Like I say, at worst, it is incredibly bad policy. All right, when we come back, I've got a position on the national anthem that might upset some of you. And then, is Joe Biden high? We'll discuss. Stick around. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. Well, never mind. All right, the story broke yesterday or two days ago that uh, the winner of the Kentucky Derby, a horse called Medina Spirit, was going to be disqualified because after the, the race, they, they got the results of drug samples back, and it turns out that the uh, the horse had uh, a a concentration of a particular drug that was above the prohibited that um, uh, was above the permitted level. Now I don't know a lot about this particular drug. It's um, bethametazone, um, and that that was in there. And I don't know whether it's really performance enhancing or not, but it's a substance that you're only allowed to have X amount in the system. And the horses had more. Now where this became interesting was because the the horse that that won. Um, went off, Medina Spirit went off at 12 to 1, so it was kind of a long shot. It was also a horse trained by Bob Baffert, who is arguably the most well-known trainer in, in horse racing. Everybody knows Bob Baffert. He's the guy with, like, the, the kind of longish white hair and stuff. And he's had a problem over the last year or two with horses of his being – on the one hand, he's, he's thought of as this great trainer who's above all this stuff, but he's had several horses disqualified for, for doping violations a, across the country. Well, anyhow, Medina Spirit gets disqualified when the results of this test come back, and, and Baffert goes on a – well, he, he goes to the media on the media, and he's talking about the cancel culture. He's saying horse racing has many problems, but Bob Baffert isn't one of them, and of course, whenever you're referring to yourself in a third person, I always think that that's kind of a bad idea. You know, <laughs> well, Jeff Wagner says this. No, I mean, somebody else can say Jeff Wagner says this. But, yeah, I don't, I don't, you know, I just don't think it's a good idea. But Baffert, he's very, very aggressive about this. No, you know, there's something that's going on here. This might have been inadvertent. I wasn't cheating. Well, um, never mind. <laughs> he's, he's just issued a new statement today saying, um, well, it, it wasn't. It wasn't intentional, but he says that uh, after the, tra- the tracks, the horse's last race, the colt was being treated for dermatitis in his hind, one of his hind legs. And the, let's see, the veterinarian, he, he says, I had him checked out by my veterinarian who recommended the use of an antifungal ointment called Otomax. And so they, they started rubbing this ointment in. Well, yesterday I was informed that one of the substances in Otomax is this prohibited drug. And it's, as soon as I learned this, I, I wanted to be upfront with this. So his, his claim, his statement is, well, okay, this, it, it, as it turns out, yes, the horse had more than of, of this particular drug than he was allowed to have in his system. He still says, he says, this was inadvertent. Um, we, we weren't doing this intentionally. My veterinarian said, use this particular ointment for this condition, and we, we didn't know that it had this particular substance in it. Now, whether that's true or not, I, I don't know. 
but um, it is one of these things where in the beginning, Baffert was taking that approach that so many people take when you're wrong, be strong. No, no, this is a conspiracy. No, 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 they're out to get me. Well, it, it, it turns out just um, sort of like years ago, remember when Ryan Braun got got uh, popped for, you know, testing positive for steroids and had the big press conference and this is all I'm being set up, et cetera, et cetera. And then it turns out that Ryan Braun was lying through his teeth about that particular thing. Well, you know, this is the same sort of thing. Again, I I don't know if this ointment, and I, I don't know enough about the, the science of this to know whether or not having a little bit more than you're allowed of this drug in your system really affected the horse's performance or whatever. But I do know that the, the, the tests were apparently legitimate and accurate and don't know if it was intentional that they did this to give the horse an advantage or whether they, they legitimately didn't know that one of the substances in this ointment was the prohibited thing. But regardless, turns out the drug test was in fact right and apparently it's appropriate to disqualify the uh, horse. Um, as far as betters, that's one of the questions people ask. Okay, if I the Kentucky Derby was a week ago Saturday. If I had... If I had the second place horse, all right, so I didn't get to cash my tickets, now the first place horse has been uh, disqualified, do I get paid? And the answer is no. <laughs> the, the answer is what they will do from the ownership perspective, you know, they'll take away the purse money for the, the winner. They won't pay that out. But as far as betters, that, that money has already been distributed. So you are, in fact, out of luck. That's the um, latest story they they Preakness, the second leg in the Triple Crown, that's going to be run this Saturday in Baltimore. And uh, the the horse, Medina Spirit, is, in fact, going to run in that. At least that's my understanding. Um, as for me and the Kentucky Derby, matter of fact, one of my teammates, who is kind of a novice to horse racing, first of all, he asked me for what horse I, I liked. And I told him the horse that I liked. But I also did preface it by saying the best way to make money in the Kentucky Derby is to find the horses that I like and then go the other way. That That's that's the best way. And he, he well, he followed part of my advice. He he took the horse that I liked and bet on it. And, of course, I think that horse is still running. So I, you know, it's, it's one of those things. But I didn't have Medina Spirit one way or the other. So that's the story of the Kentucky Derby. It wasn't a conspiracy. Um, it wasn't contamination. It was just, uh, yeah, that in inadvertent or advertent or intentional that the horse did have a prohibited concentration of a prohibited drug in his system all right let's let us completely and totally switch gears if you are a regular listener of this program you know that i regularly rail on the counterculture, the, the cancel culture, the, this idea that you, you have to be woke, this idea that we, we now have to denounce anyone and anything who kind of, I don't know, swims upstream against the current of political correctness. And, and this idea that, gee, how dare you, you know, if somebody generally tries to advocate a position that, okay, flies in the, the, again, flies in the face of some of the things that people are saying, that they immediately, not only can't they just, you know, be de- their position be debated, but they have to be fired. They have to be canceled. They, we, we can't even have this anymore. So I rail about that on a regular basis. There is a flip side to this, though, and it, it I, I also rail about trying to create issues where no issue exists. And it seems to me that in Wisconsin, this next story is one of those. Not that I have a problem with the concept, but why do we need to do it? It involves the national anthem. Today, and I don't know if they voted on it yet or not, people in the assembly, 
Wisconsin State Assembly, are going to take up a bill that would require the national anthem to be played before all sporting events at Wisconsin venues and arenas that receive taxpayer dollars. Under the proposal, no sporting event may be held in a venue constructed at least in part with public money unless the event is preceded by the playing or singing of the national anthem. One of the sponsors says, This freedom we have to enjoy watching or competing in the games is a freedom that is in fact not free. The bill doesn't define sporting event, which suggests it applies to games at all levels, perhaps from children's recreational soccer games played in facilities that have been partially funded by taxpayer dollars to games played by Wisconsin's professional sports teams. All right. Um, 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, let me be real clear here. I have no problem at all with the national anthem being played before sporting events. I'd like the national anthem being played. I'm the guy that says I, I, I have no, I have no patience for the people that decide they're going to kneel. The, National anthem gets played. I stand up. I take off my hat. I listen. Sometimes I sing along if I am in that mood. So I have no problem at all with the national anthem being played. But, 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 do we need a law that mandates that the national anthem be played before all sporting events at Wisconsin venues and arenas that receive taxpayer dollars? Is this, in fact, a solution that is looking for a problem. And my answer would be, just like I rail on the cancel culture, this to me is kind of the opposite version of that. It's like trying to pick a fight and create an issue where none really exist. All right, and so I guess the, the concept is, do we need a law that would say, for example, if you know there's a, um, a, a, a Kiwi Hockey League game going on in a venue that's been, you know, partially funded with taxpayer dollars. Do we need to say to the organizers that you've got to start that event with a with the national anthem? Do we need to mandate mandate to the Bucks or the Admirals or the Brewers or the Packers? Now, I mean, I understand that they, they start their events with the national anthem. That is the tradition. But do we need a law that says they have to do it? And my answer would be no. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And again, the purpose of this this segment, it's not anti-national anthem. I'm very pro-national anthem. I just don't think that we need the government telling all these venues that they have to do it. 855-616-1620. What do you think? Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. I mean, part of it is I, I just hate laws that are are there for virtue signaling or are unenforceable. And that's what it strikes me, that this law that's in the assembly, this bill, which would require that the national anthem be played before any sporting event anywhere in Wisconsin, which is held at, at a venue that receives public funding. So, I mean, I understand you think, okay, well, it's saying that you have to play the anthem at Lambeau Field or, or Miller or Miller American Family Field or whatever. Well, it's not just that. I mean, look, th- this would apply to, you know, bar league softball games at a local park. 
They, this would apply to again the you know the the peewee hockey tournaments you know where where you're there at 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 a venue that received you know state funding like at the Waukesha County you know Expo Center or whatever. I'm just taking these examples. Do we really need a law that that says that you have to do it? And I have no problem with playing the national anthem before these events if the organizers decide they want to do it. But but is this what you need a law for? And my answer would be no. Jeff, isn't the Republican Party for less government? Mandating the anthem seems to be anti-conservative. Um, well, yeah. Jeff, this is what our legislators are worried about. Don't we have bigger fish to fry here? Give me a break. Well, that that that's kind of my, my point as, as well. I just... I look at so many things on the flip side of this with the cancel culture and the stuff that people obsess over. And and here we have to go after this or we have to go after that. And I I mean, I candidly, I want our legislators. I want them dealing with the big issues. You know, deal deal with deal with taxes, deal with stuff, healthcare, deal with stuff that's going to affect the quality of our of our life. Let let's figure out what we do with mask mandates and things of the like. But, okay, the national anthem before a bar league softball game? Huh. Let's talk to uh, Peter. Peter, you're on WTMJ. I have one question for you, Jeff. Why do we play the national anthem? Isn't it to honor our country? Yes. And wouldn't, wouldn't a mandate or a law kind of negate that? It's just something you have to do rather than paying you know respect to the country yeah i i i mean i i agree i i think it's appropriate to do and i think especially i think especially like the large venues do do it and and they should do it but but yeah i'm you know what what's the point of saying okay before um okay you you've got the 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 eighth grades the, the the you know 14-year-old, the 12-year-old kids playing soccer before the games, you have to, how do you even do that? You have to bring in a loudspeaker and a stereo system to play the national anthem? Who's going to police this? Well, yeah, that's right. <laughs> exactly. And and, and what's, what is what is the overall purpose for it? I mean, I'm, I'm as patriotic as the next guy, maybe more than most, and I understand some people don't even like linking the national anthem to patriotism, but your point, forced patriotism is not patriotism at all. Now, thanks for calling. You're, you're, I, I guess that's that. That's it. It's just one of these things that I, you, you wonder. I mean, somebody's coming up and sitting around. And again, this is a Republican idea. So you know, mark the tape for everybody. Says, "Oh, this guy's nothing but a stooge for the Republican Party." That this is one of these things where you know who advances this. And by the way, it, it does have bipartisan support because I guess nobody wants to be anti-national anthem. But and I'm not anti-national anthem. I'm just we don't need you know a law. For this and this requirement, um, let's see. Um, our daughter used to be a speed skater, and the national anthem was played before every event at the Petted Oval. Even the joggers on the running track uh, stopped out of respect. While we truly appreciate it and still get teary-eyed, I don't need it needs to be a law. Seems like too much of a reach. Yeah, Jeff, I agree with you. It's an unnecessary step to require this, and it puts an issue that was fading back in the spotlight. Uh, during a Brewers game in 2021, they dim the lights in the concourse, and everything comes to a halt. Uh, concessions, entry in the stadium, gift sales, etc. when the anthem is played. Ten years ago, this never happened because it wasn't a polarizing issue then. Don't know. I mean, I, I just... I I always seem to remember people stopping. But again, I, I think it's great. If venues decide that they want to play it, that, that's fine. My guess is venues are going to continue to decide to play it. But do you need a law? Jeff, this is the dumbest thing I've heard this year. Okay, let me stop there. 
This is not the dumbest thing I've heard this year. I, I don't know if it's even in the top 10 of dumb things I've heard this year. But but I understand the sentiment. Jeff, this is the dumbest thing I've heard this year. This is the number one priority the leadership of the state has. Um, fire the folks behind this proposal. We need real leaders with real solutions. Well, we need to, first of all, identify what the what the real problems are. And that's why I always talk about, you know, people trying to find, you know, uh, this is, you know, it's a solution looking for a problem. Do we really have a problem in the state that, gee, um, at, at Willie's um, Softball League, you know, in downtown Ashwaubenon, they didn't play the national anthem before the beer league softball game kicked off. I, I don't think so. I, I hear lots of complaints. Believe me, I tracked lots of complaints that people have about different issues. Uh, gee, they didn't play the national anthem before the Pee Wee League soccer game is not one of those that I hear. So this is one where at the risk of, again, being labeled anti-patriotic, you just kind of might want to table this and let, let's move on to perhaps bigger, more significant issues. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Back for more. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. In the palm of your hand, if you live in Milwaukee, Waukesha, Washington, Ozaki, and Racine County, you can now listen to the Brewers on the WTMJ mobile app or at WTMJ.com. Bob Euchre and the Brewers, now easier for you to enjoy on your phone or computer. Download the WTMJ mobile app today. You know, I, I don't, I, I mentioned this yesterday, and I, I don't know that there's a discussion topic in this other than to say it's a huge, huge, huge issue. This 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 the pipeline shutdown it doesn't directly affect us here in the midwest but but it does indirectly but if you haven't been following this story there there's a, a major pipeline company that's responsible for transmitting about 55% of the fuel that they use up and down the east coast that that pipeline has been shut down since last weekend and probably isn't going to be up and running in full until the end of this week because it's been subject to a a cyber attack from eastern europe one of these ransomware things and the 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 bigger point of this is our infrastructure, I know Joe Biden talks about how, you know, th- these elements of infrastructure and we need bridges and roads and all those type of things. And he defines infrastructure as being, I don't know, how we, we handle you know education and things of the like. Well, one of the real problems is the whole issue of cybersecurity. And that's where our, our infrastructure is incredibly, incredibly vulnerable. You know, you have the, these pipelines, for example, that have been in existence for decades and you have all this sophisticated computer technology that's out there and these hackers that break in and you know you have one of these ransomware attacks and as a result you you have half of the gasoline that gets transmitted up and down the east coast well now it's not getting transmitted now it's not as much of a problem right now because we have huge fuel reserves that are amassed and they say they're going to be back online by the end of the week so it's only a momentary blip but but it is a blip and the question becomes all right what happens the next time and the time after that you want to talk about infrastructure Cybersecurity infrastructure is something that Republicans and Democrats, I think, should be able to get behind. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. It drives me crazy when politicians can't admit that they're wrong. 
This happens to conservative politicians. It happens to liberal politicians. People get trapped in a, a particular mindset. They make an argument, and then when it is apparent to everybody that, that they're, they're wrong about it, they, they still, like, double down or triple down. I mean, my philosophy has always been, you know, when, when, you're, when you're digging yourself a hole, uh, at some point in time, you got two choices. You can keep digging that hole, or you can climb out of the hole, fill it in, declare victory, and move on. Well, we're at a point right now where the President of the United States, Joe Biden, continues to dig that hole deeper and deeper. Now, uh, last week, we, we spent a little bit of time talking about the, the awful job numbers that came out at the end of last week for April. Economists, analysts thought the economy would create a, a million new jobs, and instead the hiring was like 260,000. It, it was a pathetic sort of number. And everybody's kind of asking, well, why? What, what's going on? And one of the, I think, things that most people most rational people would agree upon is the fact that right now we have a disincentive to work. The government will pay people $300 a week. We used to pay people 600, but now the federal government pays 300 bucks a week for people who are on unemployment. That is in addition to the, the state unemployment benefits. So, um, the average, and again, it's it's average. Some people make more, some people make less. But the average unemployment benefit is three hundred eighteen bucks. So three hundred eighteen bucks that you're getting from the state, another three hundred from the federal government on top of that, six hundred and eighteen dollars. And the way it works is, you know, that means that you know you probably have to be making fifteen plus dollars an hour. Like I think if you do the math, it actually comes up to sixteen or seventeen dollars, and that might even be before taxes. Before you know, you it makes sense to go back to work. So if you're working at a job that pays I don't know twelve bucks an hour or even fifteen bucks an hour, that magic fifteen dollars an hour, it doesn't make any sense for you to go back to work. And for example, in Wisconsin, you don't even have to look for work right now. We've got that that rule in there, so you can make the decision to kind of sit on on your butt. And I understand this. If you're in a job that that's hard work, or boring work, or just a job that you you do not like, and because of the federal government and the state government, you get paid as much or more or even almost as much to stay home and watch days of our lives as you do to go into work. I understand why people are going to going to stay out of work. And, you know, we've seen this happen before. Right now, employers cannot find people to do those sort of jobs. And I'm not talking about the jobs that pay $200,000 a year, but I'm talking about those jobs that pay in that 12 to $17 an hour range, restaurants, you know, um, grocery stores, the, the big box retailers, the, the things like that. People aren't taking these jobs because the government is paying people more to stay home than they are to go actually go back to work. And that is going to continue until we shut off the subsidies. There's a number of governors, for example, Montana. The latest one, here's the story, Alabama. They, they recognize this. The governor of Alabama just came out and said, we're not taking any more federal money. We, we, the, the pandemic from the perspective of, again, the, the job shortages and things, it, it's over. Our, our jobs are back. 
we can't find people to do the work and we don't want we don't want the federal money. Alabama is the story to withdraw from federal pandemic unemployment programs. The governor will end Alabama's participation in federal unemployment programs geared to the pandemic, including supplements. We have announced the end date of our state of emergency. There are no industry shutdowns. Daycares are operating with no restrictions. Vaccinations are available for all adults. Alabama is giving the federal government our 30-day notice that it's time to get back to work. So Montana is doing that. Other states are doing that as well because they recognize that paying these supplements makes it difficult for employers to find people. So in that, Wade's Joe Biden yesterday. Joe Biden, I just, I, it's not, it, it's, it's, I don't understand. He comes out, he says, I, I did, this isn't the case. I mean, I, I don't understand how anybody could suggest that the fall off in hiring is because um, where the federal government is paying people not to work. I, I just reject that notice. That's what he ends up saying, to which you, you seriously want to say, you know, what what are you smoking, Mr. President? I mean, how can you seriously make that argument when you pay people more to stay home than you do to go to work? Should we be surprised that the people... Um, again, make the what I think is a perfectly logical and rational decision to stay home. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I think this is an example where the president has dug this hole. And instead of recognizing, all right, this is not the way to go, he has now continued to double down on this, saying, oh, the, 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 the poor job creation numbers, th- this is... You know, this nothing to do with our essentially subsidizing people not working. I, and I do. I seriously wonder what he's smoking, because the answer is you're not going to get a full return to employment. You're not going to get the numbers down until we eliminate the disincentive to work. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I know for those of you who have been working through the pandemic and looking at the problems that maybe your employer or if you're an employer that you are having in trying to get bodies to come in through the door and work. 855-616-1620. All right. The president says no relationship at all between poor job numbers and my policy that pays people to stay home. Is he nuts? We discuss in just a minute. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Jeff, if unemployment pays more than working, maybe that's proof the minimum wage is too low. No, 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 no. It's not. Unemployment is designed to be a safety net. See, the typical unemployment is not designed to replace your wages. Unemployment is designed to be a safety net to help you over, to tide you over for a brief period of time while you are between jobs. That's what unemployment is all about. It's not supposed to be this giant hammock that you you live in for the rest of your life. What's happened is because of the pandemic, and I, I get it that we started this a year ago because you had the disruption of the economy, but but that's 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 past now. What you have now is you have a system where 
because of the federal government intervening and paying an extra 300 bucks, you now have a system where the market is completely and totally out of whack, and it makes more, it's not a question of minimum wage, you get paid more to not work than you do to work, and that's never what unemployment has been all about. 855-616-1620. Um, let's see, uh, Jeff, it's absolutely pathetic. The working middle class got screwed again for actually working and supporting these federal government supported people who blame the pandemic to stay home. We didn't get any bonus for working just for our paychecks. Well, there, there is an element to that. I mean, can you imagine the person that, okay, you're working and you're working at the big box retailer, let, let's say, and you're, you're making 16 bucks an hour or whatever that is. You keep your job. Some of your other workers, some of the other people that you're working with get laid off or furloughed or whatever at the start of this pandemic. Originally, you think, hey, this is great. You know, I, I've been able to keep my job. I'm sorry other people have lost theirs. Now it's into a situation where, okay, you've been working and you find out that the people who were working with you, they're now making more by not working than you are by working. How is that fair? How does that make any sense? Isn't that just absolutely crazy? And by the way, I don't fault those workers, those people. I mean, I get it. If you if you're paid more to or as much to sit at home and watch TV as you are to go into a job, particularly if it's a job that you consider to be maybe a dead end job or mind-numbingly dull or physically hard or whatever. I I understand why you'd want to stay home. I I get that. I get it completely. But is that really the system that we want? Now, some people would argue that this is all part of a master plan by Biden to justify more and more of the federal infrastructure program. See, this would be the argument that he would make. He'd say, look, um, see, we, we're not, we're not, the private sector isn't creating as many jobs as it should. That's why we need to have these giant public sector work programs. Well, th- that's really kind of clever, but in many respects, the reason the private sector, it's not that they're not creating the jobs, it's that people aren't taking the jobs because the government is incentivizing not working. Let's talk to, uh, John in Lake Geneva. John, you're on WTMJ. Hello, Jeff. Thanks Hi, for taking my call. Sure. I just uh, I listen to your show every day, and I really appreciate you taking my call. Thank you. Jeff, I, I operate several small businesses, and, and this is an ongoing problem. And, you know, uh, most of my employees are in that 12 to $15 an hour range, and, and I've already been through probably 30 employees this year where they work a couple days and they quit. And Mm-hmm. And they know that they can get the three hundred dollars from the government and three forty from the state. Yeah, and you know it's a it's a big problem for us small businesses. We're uh, you know uh, my wife and I are working eighty hours a week to keep the restaurant, the gas station open, and and the trucking business. You can't find any drivers. Uh, you know they need to put a stop to this right away because you know there's work out there to be had. Mm-hmm. There there really is all over and and. John, I can't tell you how many how many small businessmen in in situations like yours I I hear from. I got several texts the other day from from restaurant operators who say, you know, we 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 have to we're only open four days a week because we can't find we'd love to be open seven days a week, but we we can't do it. I I was talking to somebody the other day. They used to run a a, they used to run a, a commercial greenhouse. They're closed now because they can't find people to come in who are willing to work for what they they can pay because the government is paying them more to stay home. That's just crazy. Jeff, what do you tell your customers? What do you tell your customers when they're standing in line and waiting to get a sandwich or when they're, uh, and you don't have the employees? 
to be able to service them. I mean, and it's happening in our grocery stores and in our restaurants, and it's that's happening all over the country. Uh, and and it's a it's a serious serious problem that they really need to identify, and they need to put a stop to it. And I just don't understand yeah. how these politicians can't figure this out. Well, these guys don't work every day anyway, so well, well right, well, know, no, well, well, John. I mean, thank, thank you. I think some of them don't want to figure it out, and I I mean, I think I was just mentioning. I, I think look, part of this is. You know, the the era of of small government is over. And and part of this with the Biden administration you're seeing is this this idea of cradle to grave. The government is going to take care of you, whether it's it's free, you know, free daycare starting at the age of three to free community college to free this and free that and free whatever. But this is the latest example of that. We can't trust the private sector to create jobs. Now, for, forget the fact that there's lots of jobs in the private sector. It's just that the government has created a disincentive for people taking those jobs. So the idea is, well, see, now we've got to get people back to work. So what we have to do is we have to roll out all these federal programs and we have to hire people. So instead of working for you, John, what we're going to do is the government is going to hire people to work on, you know, whatever the government job is going to be. And, and you're going to be out of luck. And the people who are, you know, patronizing your business businesses or depending on the stuff that your trucking company delivers to, you know, the the stores that they buy, you're going to be out of luck, but we don't care because we're creating this bigger government sort of thing. 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Jeff, I'm a business owner. I can't find workers for $20 an hour because they can stay home and get benefits that give them on average about $17 to $18 an hour without working. Yeah, because it's not just the unemployment employment benefits, but it's also, you know, you can qualify for the health care and you can qualify for all the other stuff. Uh, the texture says something needs to motivate these people. Well, I'll tell you what that something's going to be. And, and this, this isn't any sort of like brilliant analysis. What you're going to do, you're going to see, unless something changes and, and unless the president decides to wake up and dig himself and climb out of that hole and say, okay, look, I, I, I want to, I want to roll back this benefit. Unless he does that, and and or unless a lot more governors do what the governor of Montana and the governor in Alabama did, which say, hey, we're turning down this 300 bucks, this situation is going to continue through September. If you want to know when, when is the magic date that all of a sudden you're going to see a hiring explosion, well, right now it's September 30th. Because that's when all the that's when the federal government being the sugar daddy shuts down and that's when people who could go back to work today and find a job, that's when they say, Okay, well now I've got to because I, I, I can't make it on three hundred and eighteen or three hundred and twenty or three hundred and forty dollars a week. Um and, and I've I'm going from six forty to three forty. Okay, now I guess I gotta go back to work, but in the meantime, I'm gonna enjoy my summer. Let's take a quick break, back with more in just a minute. I'm sorry, this whole conversation makes my, my head explode. And, and the fact that President Biden refuses to acknowledge that, that it's his policies that are contributing to the, the high unemployment rate, that, that, that's just even crazier. Now, if you want to make the argument that, hey, you know, we want to put the private sector out of business or we want to force 
We we want the private sector to have to f- compete with you know the government paying people the equivalent of sixteen or seventeen dollars an hour, so they're going to have to raise their wages. Well, then come out and just say that. But but that's not what they're saying, Jeff. We have nine manufacturers. Here's a text. We have nine manufacturing facilities across the U.S. The same labor issues are real, regardless of location. Starting wages on our floor. $21 with opportunities for training, education, and advancement, we still can't find people who want to work. It's easier to stay home, get benefits versus working. This issue is real, and it's felt in every business park in Wisconsin and throughout the nation. Jeff, you do realize that the pandemic is not over, right? Um, and it's the same people who complain that they want everything reopened are the same people who will not get vaccines and the vaccine people will not get back to work. That, that, that has nothing to do with the, the pandemic from the perspective of employment is, in fact, I don't want to say, say it's over because, you know, right, we're, we're not back to full capacity. But there, anybody who wants to work right now, can go find a job. You just walk. You just go go walk through. You know any area. You're going to see help wanted signs. People are begging for people to go for work. Now, look, I I understand. Maybe if you were you know working in a particular industry that was hit particularly hard, and you're looking to make one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Okay, maybe those jobs aren't falling on trees, and maybe you have a little bit of trouble replacing that job or a lot of trouble. But for you know, if people are looking for a job, and if you lost a job that was paying you sixteen or seventeen bucks an hour, yes, you you can find some sort of work that is going to pay you something comparable. Maybe not exactly, you know. So maybe it's fourteen bucks an hour. But people aren't taking those jobs because they can make more money not paying those jobs. How does that make sense? Answer: It doesn't. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City. This is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So, Melissa Barclay, I have another piece of news that I know will make your day. You're, you, you, you're having one of those kind of days. I am for, having for, one of those right. days. Well, <laughs> I, I, then I'm going to give you fair warning of this. So, I, I come in here a couple hours ago. I sit down. First thing Steve Scafidi says to me, who's here in this chair that I sit in before, he says, there's a mouse. <laughs> he said, I saw a mouse. In here? Yes. What? Oh no! I had no idea. Well, that's why I was just alert. Well, he, he, he said. I, he said. I, well, oh. see, and you did exactly what Mike spoke. First of all, when Scafidi says that to me, I'm now looking around. And he says, "Yeah, I was under the desk, and it was running across." What? And, I, and, and so I, I, that's what I'm looking. And then I, I said that when uh, two hours ago, when Mike Spalding was sitting, mm. and he did exactly what you just did. It's, if, for people who yeah, we understand we're not on television, but you just like looked over both shoulders oh. and stuff. And and now I in. I have not seen it in two hours, right. but I, I do admit that I've been kind of sitting with my feet sort of up on the base of the, like... the chair and stuff like that. So, you know, just just a little bit of fair right, warning. Thanks. If you if you see something like little and brown moving quickly oh. across. The... <laughs> no. We need a cat or something in here to sort of take care of that. That's right. Well, I just, that's, and I know you're having one of those days. I and am. I just, Thank I, you I, for that. I, right. I appreciate it. Well, but wouldn't you rather know up front yes, as opposed to, right, at least so that now you're kind of. Watch it'll go like we have a big TM, WTMJ banner behind you. Maybe it'll go scurrying up the banner or something. Well, if right behind me, if that happens, I, I would appreciate if somebody would tell me. It's one thing if it's on the <laughs> floor. If, if suddenly oh. this thing is, but it, it's um, 
it's freaking my my the house I had in Whitefish Bay, hundred year old house and mm-hmm. stuff. I mean, we did uh, periodically. We'd have, I mean, mice would would get That's in common. like the attic and stuff, and so you know you'd have the mouse traps up there and stuff. But it's kind of they're really fast and they're it's just creepy. Well, I mean, <laughs> and it's crazy to think that we're these big, huge humans and we're scared of a little tiny mouse, which the mouse probably thinks, you know, I got to get out of here. But <laughs> exactly. Well, just okay. So just I just wanted to All share right. that with you. You okay. you you have in fact been warned. Now, Gru's and the producers are he's kind of going. Mouse, yeah, we're, we're all sort of looking at that there. Huh? Well, you can have him or her, the mouse. Right, right if you get yeah. into the producer's room. Okay, all right, just so just Thank don't. You. We'll, we'll, we'll share that with John in a little bit. All right, it is my position that if you can't do the job, if you can't make the grade, we do not do you a favor by pretending that you can. Now, think about this in, in life. Think about a situation where you have somebody who's, I, I don't know, they're, they're just... They, they can't do a particular job, and, and yet you, 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 you carry them, okay? Maybe, maybe the job is they're, they're a salesperson, and they just don't have the skills. They don't know the product or, or they don't have the personality or whatever. And you say, well, I really like this person. So you, you, you decide, okay, I'm going to carry this person. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pretend that they're doing okay because maybe they'll do better or whatever. It, it, it never works. I mean, it just doesn't. It never works. If, if you can't do the job, if you can't make the grade, I don't think people do you a favor by just pretending you can because ultimately it's going to end badly. And that starts in school. I firmly believe that if you, if you can't read, for example, at a sixth grade level, if you're failing sixth grade, we do not do you a favor by promoting you to seventh grade and sending you on. Because if you don't have the underlying skills that you need to do sixth grade work, how in God's green earth are you going to do seventh grade work? And then how are you going to do eighth grade work and ninth grade work? The answer is you're not, which is why what they are doing in Madison just, again, it's one of these things that makes my head explode. Here is the story. Um, All right. What they have decided to do in Madison because of the pandemic over the last year is they have essentially decided to stop failing students. No more Fs. Here's the deal. Let me read you the story as it appears in this Wisconsin State Journal. Loosened grading standards, including the elimination of middle school Fs, including the elimination of middle school Fs, so you can't fail likely allowed the Madison School District to avoid meeting out more failing grades to students. All right, well, yeah, no kidding. If if you're not going to fail people, yes, there, there will be fewer people that fail. Dane County's largest and most diverse district distributed 4,500 failing grades at the high school level in the 2019 fall semester prior to COVID. Um, they did... Let's see, 3,900 in the fall semester of 2020 when learning was fully online. At the middle school level, 3,608 failing grades were assigned in the fall semester of 2019. Get this, there were less than 60 for the fall semester of 2020. So 2019, 3,600 failing grades were assigned. 2020, it's 60. Um, and, and that's because they just decided to do that. Um, they, they just said, okay, we're not going to fail people. We're just going to kick them along. The percentage of students considered chronically absent, meaning they missed 16 or more percent of school days in the Madison district, increased from 21 to 27 percent of high schoolers and from 11 to 22 percent at the middle school level. So essentially at the middle school level, it, it doubled. 
no failing grades, chronic absence through the roof. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. In Madison, they remove Fs from the middle school reporting scale because they, they knew that a lot of kids weren't weren't doing well with learning, and a lot of kids weren't even bothering to try because you had chronic absences at 22%. And if you're not even bothering to try and showing up, well, of course, you're not going to be able to do the work. But but here you have a situation where you have an enormous number of people who, who aren't doing the work and who are, aren't getting the work or for whatever. Do we do them a favor by not by not failing them? Do we do them a favor by pretending that you are doing satisfactory work? And what does it say to the kids who are busting their butts? What does it say to the kids that are, are working hard? What does it say to the kids that are, are, are showing up, even in the online capabilities, and they're doing the work? What does it say to them when we say to everybody else, well, it, it's no fail? And what happens to the kids who legitimately fail? Let's say, again, use the example, you failed seventh grade. You're not doing seventh grade level work. Do we do them a favor by kicking them ahead to eighth grade? And my answer would be no. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What about these no-fail policies? Do they work? We discuss. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Okay, so no Fs in Madison Middle Schools. I... I, I, I think we discussed it briefly when this first happened. In addition, in in Madison, if they give you an assignment in high school, you, you can't get less than a 50%, even if you don't turn the assignment in. So so if you get an assignment here, you've you got to do this essay or whatever, and, and you turn it in, or, or you get homework for math or whatever, you get an assignment, you can't get less than a 50%, e- even if you didn't do the work. How absolutely nuts is that? You you don't show up. You don't turn. I'm not talking about not turning your thing. You turn your thing in late, so you're penalized. You you can just not turn it in. Oh, okay. Um, let's see. You give me this assignment. I don't feel like doing that. I'm going to go bowling, or I'm going to go you know play video games, or or whatever. You get at least a fifty percent. <laughs> I mean, try that in the real world. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Let's start with Tom in New Berlin. Tom, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hello. Hi, Tom. What do you think? Um, yes, I, I, yeah, I agree with you. I have several, the main reason is I have several friends that are public school teachers, and they they sometimes have to uh, convince, sell the parents on keeping the child, having the child repeat the grade. And, I mean, which just does relate to what you're saying, because if the child does not get failing grades, you're not going to convince the parents that they have to repeat seventh grade. Yeah. And now the main reason you want them to not go on to the next grade is if they're going to be struggling and really have a hard time learning the rest of their time that they're in, in school. I mean, like, if they really can't pass fourth grade and they're really failing, they're going to struggle to go all the way up to 12th grade. Yeah. Right. So it's in the best interest of the child to give them an F if they really deserve it. Well, exactly. Thanks for calling. Instead of just like advancing them, look, I, I've told this story before on a different level. I was a pretty decent student. Um, my, it was my second semester in college. My, I, I, and I was, I was taking lots of classes because I wanted to get through college quickly. I got through college in three and a half years. And I wanted to get through it. And my second semester, I had six A's and an F. 
six A's and an F, and and no, not an F, six A's and a D. And the D was it was it was a gift because what happened is my first I I, I was. I was not a great math student. I, I'm good with numbers and stuff, but some of the advanced concepts in math, I, I, I struggle with a little bit. Um, so my first semester in college, I took like an advanced calculus course, and, and I did okay in it, but I really didn't understand it, but I was able to get through it because I worked really hard, and I saw, and, and I studied hard, and I saw these problems, and so when you'd, when you'd have the test or the exam, I'd recognize the problem, and I was able to get it right, but I really didn't have this great fundamental knowledge of, I knew what the answers were, but I didn't necessarily know why we'd get them, if that makes sense. So I get greedy because if you take the, advanced advanced calculus class and you get like a c in it you get extra credit you know you get like whatever it was so i decide hey this is great i'll I'll go through the second semester of this and you know if i if i get through it i'll get some extra credits and that'll make it easier for me to get to graduation etc big mistake because i didn't have that fundamental knowledge I, i i worked hard enough to do okay i think i got a b i should say i think i should think i got a b in the first semester but i really didn't understand why stuff was happening i i was able to do okay on the test just because i worked really hard but when i got into that second semester i was lost i, I just i and and it wasn't that i wasn't trying it wasn't that i was blowing off the class i just I was lost because I just flat didn't get it because I, I just didn't have I didn't understand those underpinnings and and the teacher I mean he liked me and he, he you know and he tried to work with me and stuff but I could only get so far and that was like six A's and, and a D but that's the classic example that I, I did not do myself a favor by advancing going on to the advanced course without really understanding you know the the fundamentals of what of what they were were teaching and so i i was kind of lost well imagine that on a level where you're talking about not advanced mathematical concepts but you're talking about simple things like like reading and, and writing and, and basic you know basic math skills that you're going to need if you don't have the stuff that you're supposed to have and you don't know what you're supposed to know in fourth grade or fifth grade you know just simply kicking you along and say okay go on up to sixth grade and seventh grade you're going to be just as lost, if not more so, for your entire academic career. And and by the way, I, I don't doubt that there's some institutional resistance. A lot of the parents, they, they don't want to have their kids held back. But are we doing anybody a favor by, if you're doing F-level work, are we doing you a favor by saying, okay, well, no, we're, we're not going to give you Fs. If you're not turning in work, are we saying, okay, we're going to give you 50%. 50 well, why make assignments? What, what does that say to the kid who does? Let, let's, let's say you've got a, a math quiz that you give out, and you, you get somebody that gets 5 out of 10, but it's really working. You know, they, they get 50%. It's the same score as the person who just sits there and says, I'm not even going to take the test. How is that fair? Let's talk to Alex in Port Washington. Hi, Alex. Yeah, hi. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. I have a kind of a similar situation. I moved here when I was eight years old from Norway. And uh, and I, in fourth grade, they did me the biggest favor in the world. They held me back. And it was really hard because all my friends were promoted and I stayed back. But as a result of that, eventually I went on to college and graduated summa cum laude, uh, number two out of a graduating class of 1,600. Wow, and, and I think back, what would have happened if they just pushed me along because I just didn't understand what was going on. So they did. It was really hard on me personally when it happened because it was kind of embarrassing. 
but it was the, probably the best thing that ever happened. So, I mean, so you, you come here from Norway, and just because it's a different educational system and it's a different country and maybe there's language issues or all that stuff, you, you just, you, you weren't, you weren't, you didn't get it at first. So you needed that extra year to help you catch up. And once you did, your, your academic career took off like a skyrocket. Right. I, I actually, you know, I got an academic scholarship and all that stuff, you know, because they, the, the teachers had the, my best interest at heart. And I get the feeling now we're trying to just do everything politically correctly. And, yeah. and these kids are going to, are, are going to suffer down the road because I, I didn't know how to read and I didn't know how to write in English. Math was, you know, math is universal, so that was not a problem. Yeah, but yeah. The, you know, so so they held me back, and it was probably the best thing that ever happened. No, thanks. And, and see, and I guess that's it. And plus, I would be interested in knowing, and 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 I don't because I don't know that they do like the what I'll call the cross tabs on it. I mean, you've got the the these what twenty two percent of middle school school students are chronically absent, and and I wonder. You know, how how many of those failures tie the people who should be failing tie into the kids who are chronically absent as well? But again, it, it all goes back to this lack of accountability and, and you're not doing people a favor. Uh, here's a text, Jeff. They're essentially just encouraging students to fail. If I was a child and I received passing grades, no matter what, I definitely wouldn't try my hardest in in school. Um Yes. Jeff, it is done because schools want their scorecard required by the state to look good. Failure is not good on the scorecard. This is not new uh, in districts. Well, it's new in some districts, and it's definitely new in, in Madison districts, the idea that we're, we're not going to give out Fs, and you know, it's, it's 50%, just kind of a participation trophy, even if you don't participate. I mean, again, how are we doing people a favor when it comes to education if we just like them adva- let them advance and, and not hold them accountable for for the failures? And the answer is we're not. When we come back, we'll find what John and Melissa and Greg have on their minds for Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Please stick around.